podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Year week two had a real Barbenheimer feel to it, promoted as an epic captaincy battle between the Mo Salah and the Erling Haaland armbanders. But in the end, both disappointed. Just five points for Salah against Bournemouth, while Haaland blanked versus Newcastle. Now, heading into game week three, will the much-hyped Chelsea and Spurs fixture runs provide a similar sort of letdown? Hello and welcome to the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community, where we embrace everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling, and with me, as always, is Lewis from FPL Reactions. Hello, Lewis. How are you? How did your Game Week, team, game week 2 team do? Hi Mark, good, thank you. Um, yeah, so game week two was, I think, I think it was a little bit kind of below um, everyone's expectations, wasn't it? Game week two, it was kind of a low-scoring round. I think the average was around forty-four points. Um, I did okay, to be honest. I got fifty-six points, so there was a lot of blanks, um, but there was also some big returns for a few assets. Um, Astapinan, you know, he kind of he's kind of owned by literally everyone, isn't he? So he he picked up the eleven points for me. And Buma was my biggest return, so he got the the two goals uh, and sixteen points. And then just kind of little returns. Well, I wouldn't say little, um, an eight point return from Saliba. So big again, you know, we're seeing that kind of swing between Gabriel Saliba continue, and um, we'll see how long that goes on for. And also, just a little return from Watkins. He picked up an assist. But yeah, a lot of blanks this week. You know, Chilwell, the United uh, players, the Arsenal players. So yeah, overall, it was 56 points. I managed to um, get up to 470k. I mean, rank doesn't massively matter this early to a certain degree. But yeah, inside the top top 500k in game week two isn't a bad start at all I think we were both just having a look there we were both nervous heading into that Arsenal match on Monday for different reasons because we've both had Udogi's clean sheet as our first sub I believe yeah yeah um, you had sorry he looked really good as well Udogi Um, yeah I really like him and he's a great option to have and, and feel a bit sort of I don't know, smug when, when you see him recommended this week because he still feels a bit under the radar compared to Chilwell and his opinion and all that lot. But we, on Monday night, basically, you had Saliba, so you were hoping that uh, he had the clean sheet so that you weren't missing out. And I still have Gabriel, so I was really nervous about him coming on, which, of course, he did because it was inevitable and that, that red card didn't help. So we've... um. You, it was okay that you had your doggy's clean sheet on your bench ultimately, but for me, I was a little bit gutted that I missed out on. Well, he got a yellow card, doggy, so it was only four points missed out on, but still. Uh, I, th- I think part of the frustration was just the Gabriel situation in general. Uh, for me, it was 58 points um, up to 239k. It, it was a lot better for a while, um, but I can't really complain with that ultimately. Uh, it, it peaked on Saturday because I had Mbwemo and Mitoma, and they both got massive hauls. Um, just hiding behind the sofa for Salah, and that went well as well. So, so it mm. started off brilliantly, but then it sort of gradually got worse. 
you know, the Man United trio. Well, sorry, the Matt Turner on Friday night. In hindsight, why did we all go with him? Exactly. But I mean, I, I mean, I had Pickford um, on the bench who picked up zero points. So, I mean, at the end of the week, it's a two-point game from playing Turner, I suppose, in a sense. Well, and there's so many other two points in the team, it, it, it's less of an issue. But I think when it was the first match of the week, it was just, oh, really? Sheffield United, really? Mm. Um, so, yes, seeing both Man United midfielders blank and then Haaland's captaincy blanked, Saka did nothing, Chilwell nothing. So it sort of disappointed a little bit. Even Watkins getting an assist, you know, it's it's, it's a solid five points that, that we'll take, but also they beat Everton 4-0 and he didn't score. And then in the in Europe last night on a, a Wednesday, scored a hat-trick. So that just felt yeah. frustrating to miss out on that. Yeah, I think it was even worse that we saw Watkins not take the penalty as well. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of those going on because Saka as well, Saka mm. and Watkins, both potentially lost penalty duty. I mean, the way the way Mikel Arteta spoke about it afterwards, it, it was more like a spur of the moment Saka decision to give the ball to Odegaard, but but Odegaard did score. So what does it mean for the next one? I think maybe the the pendulum has swung in terms of Arsenal midfielders now. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's probably a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? The Arsenal midfielders, because you know Saka. I, I suppose once once a player's took a penalty off uh, another play, player and converted it, it's very it it would be very difficult. Yeah, maybe not, but it would seem weird for Saka to go back to taking penalties. Mm-hmm. Yashimo to God is, is is now on penalties until he misses, right? Yeah, and he's he's captain, I think, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, maybe the captain decides Saka's best, but ultimately, yeah, it does feel like that one is until he misses because Saka had missed. He he missed in preseason against Man United, and he missed mm. one of the ones at the end of last time. So, yeah, that that that's not great, especially as some of his other underlying stats in general haven't been great. Watkins. It seems even more straightforward that one because Douglas Lewis scored and then he scored a penalty against Hibbs on Wednesday. Uh, not that Watkins was on the pitch at the time, but it just sort of establishes that hey, that's two in a week, both scored. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think I think again with with Watkins, you know, like you said, it's it's more it's more guaranteed that he's off them now, isn't it? You know, I, I can't see. Watkins taking another penalty, and unless um, Louise does miss again, um, unless he misses um, at all, that is. So the highest point scorers of the week of game week two in order were Mbwemo, 16 points, Sonny March, 15. That's another one where the preseason was so it was so dominant that Matoma was the the Brighton asset but actually it was only a few months ago when when they were also the same price that it was pretty split between March and Matoma and then I guess so much content has gone out with Matoma that people have just ignored March and then he scored three times already 
Yeah, he's he's had a really good start to the season, hasn't he? And and again, like you said last season, there was a little bit more of a balance between March and Matoma. Uh, but yeah, Matoma has 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 come out, hasn't he, as the standout option. And and I don't think March's goals are going to change that either. Um, which strangely enough, Matoma does look still looks like the best pick, doesn't he? It, even even though March has has been well amazing at the start of the season. Yeah, Matoma still. It was a really good, superb goal as well. Um, you know, Brighton was sort of joking on social media about the Estepinian assist, uh, the sort of two-yard pass on the halfway line. Um, yeah, Bailey, Leon Bailey got 14. And then it was the 12 of Matoma and Diego, Jot- Diego Jota. Um, most bought heading into game week three so far. It's dominated by Brentford and Brighton, basically. The top five. Most bought people. It's it's in Buemo on around eight hundred thousand. So uh, it's been a great couple of weeks to have him as a differential, but I think that bit's over now. Um, oh well. Uh, Wissa up front, um, his teammates on around six hundred thousand, and then there's Estepinian, Matoma, and March. Transfers out. John Stones is still being. He was, he was very, very popular, but he hasn't started the first couple. And I think he's out until the international break. So that, that one makes sense. Reese James, again, injured for a period of time. Gabriel, yes. And I'm one of those who was sold, but I'm sure we'll come to that soon. Marcus Rashford. Yeah, and that, that's, that's another issue about game week three because they're at home to Nottingham Forest. Manchester United and for him and Fernandez, the frustrations are incredibly understandable. But uh, you just think one more week, surely, with 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 a fixture like that against the worst travellers last season, and I think they lost either four nil, five nil, or six nil on like four occasions. Uh, I know things yeah. change a bit, but. I mean, United United are an interesting um, topic, actually, because they were really disappointing against Wolves in game week one. I remember we talked about that in, in, in one, of the, one of the pods. And then they were also kind of disappointing against Spurs as well, because we looked at that game, didn't we? And a lot of managers did in the community and thought that was a game for the United assets, you know, where we'd see more space for the likes of Rashford and, and, and Bruno and more chances and chances created and stuff. But it just wasn't to be, although Rashford did have a couple of chances. Bruno had a couple of chances as well and he missed. So, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because both of them actually um, could be on the chopping block at the moment. And I suppose with Rashford, he's he's been playing centrally um, and his best position is kind of on the left. So I think if that continues, he could be more of a sell. Um, in fact, that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm more, I'm more kind of convinced that Rashford is a sell than Bruno because if you look at Bruno's Bruno's stats, he's amongst all players, he's still top for um, non-penalty expected goal involvement. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he's still got penalties. Um, it, it just feels like the, the poor finishing has resulted in no returns for both. You know, it's, it sounds extraordinary that he has blanked because he's he's created, uh, I think it was he's created seven chances, which is one of the most. 
Yeah. And that follows on from last season, creating the most chances for stop. So he's still that player. And yeah, his non-penalty XGI is the best. It's 2.12. And yeah, he's on zero. So that's huge underachievement. Yeah, 100%. I think, again, it, it just goes back to the finishing in the in the squad, doesn't it? Because if, if Rashford had converted a couple of these chances, Bruno would have had... Um, a couple of assists, but Bruno's himself has had good chances to score as well. I, I remember a header, um, a good headed attempt that he had in the last match, completely missed. So that was a good opportunity as well. So there's definitely some great stats from Bruno there, but again, yeah, just massively underperforming, not finishing his chances, and and the chances he is creating aren't being finished by um, the players in front of him as well. Yeah, it feels like there's sort of one more... For those who have got both of them, it feels like there's one more week to audition and then one of them possibly goes next week. It's been so difficult, though, because it's just great fixtures all around for everybody. Everybody in the squad, great fixtures. Everybody you want has them as well. It just feels like like next week, whoever you want to go for, you just got to hope that it's sort of not too late and that you haven't just missed the haul from them yeah I mean they've got Nottingham Forest next again like you said it's it's a good opportunity to basically see which one to sell you know it's mm. it, it's doubtful that we're going to keep both because after Nottingham Forest they play Arsenal and Brighton and although those two teams don't look mega convincing defensively you still don't expect United to score two or three goals past them. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's a case of, although we are waiting one more week, we're probably waiting one more week to see who to sell out of the both. Mm. Uh, well, that's the case for me anyway. So, well, yeah, so some people, a lot of teams um, have sort of got double Man United and double Arsenal midfield. So that all of a sudden in game week four, you have four midfielders facing each other in the same match, uh, which on paper doesn't look that attractive, but it doesn't always work out like that. And if uh, if Arsenal do what Tottenham did to Man United, that, that certainly won't be a problem for their for their assets. The other another popular transfer out this week is Jao Pedro, who was I, th- I think people knew that you know he's he, he is going to be rotated and that that time is coming, but maybe it's happening in game week two, wasn't totally expected. It was maybe uh, after after he scored last week, you thought, okay, he's got a few weeks and then Europe and then rotation. But no, the Zerbi's done it straight away. He's spoken out about how he needs to improve his, I guess, high pressing, uh, his defensive work. Um, so that, that explains his sales this week. But then potential injury hasn't really been clarified yet for Julio and Cecil at Brighton. Could, does that put him... I think for those who are about to sell Pedro but haven't quite clicked it yet, it sort of puts you in a more of a 50-50 situation, that, that Cecil rumour, doesn't it? Yeah, the the, um, the Cecil rumour does make, or you'd think, um, Pedro more reliable in terms of minutes moving forward. I mean, there's a couple of things you could do with João Pedro. I mean, not relying on him is probably the best option. So I think if you weren't 
going to sell um, Pedro, it would probably be ideal to have an, another option to rotate him with at least. Although, okay, it might give you a benching headache or benching points moving forward. But in terms of like the optimal move, I think we have to look at the fixtures as well because West Ham, okay, it, it, they might score Brighton, but then they have Newcastle as well and United and Villa and Liverpool and City looking forward, looking ahead. I think if you've got the budget to move Jao Pedro on, and you've got no more, you haven't got other pressing kind of fires to put out. Then I do think um, upgrading him, um, you know, to to some of the options we'll probably mention soon, is probably a more ideal, a better idea. But but saying that again, if you've if you've got um, uh, another option on the bench that you can rotate with, you know, a lot of the a lot of the cheap players are performing really well at the moment, aren't we? So it's not like we're kind of desperate to take money out of Jao Pedro. But the way the the way the pricing has has landed this year, it's sort of if if you're a manager who has who will have Erling Haaland as a premium, but sort of decided they're not gonna have Salah, for example, that all of a sudden a, a manager who's committed to that has so much money because the other premiums, well, one has gone to Bayern Munich. Uh, De Bruyne is injured for a few months, so after after Haaland and Salah, the next one is probably what nine million. So it is quite realistic now for managers uh, up to their first wild card to sort of have five good midfielders and three good forwards, and just pick ones whose fixtures sort of sync correctly, so that maybe. You know, Matoma, Watkins, they will occasionally have a bad fixture, but that's fine because there's someone else to step in. So I was looking into it myself, sort of. Could you have eight good attackers whose whose fixtures dovetail perfectly? But uh, And Jao Pedro it would be kind of perfect for that because he, he doesn't cost a lot, but he is a genuine option. It's just you just don't know when he's going to start and he's probably going to cameo. Otherwise, that's the problem. Yeah, there's there's a, there's quite a few um, scenarios that you can that you can play Jao Pedro into. Um, really, you know, and like you said, if you can find a handful of attackers to rotate, then you could keep these midfields. Because at the start of the season, I think a lot of people were looking at Brighton's fixtures and thinking, okay, game week four is gonna is gonna be where I sell Brighton players. But you know. You can't really, you can't really do that now, can you? Because you look at Matoma's and Astapinan's form as well, and it's um, it's pretty relentless at the moment. So it's going to be really tough to drop these um, these kind of assets, isn't it? Especially with Brighton's form. Yeah, it was like that with Astapinan. Just, just like he's probably just there for the long term now and because he's just so attacking he's he's fixture proof uh, probably so uh yeah and then it's just there's one plan transfer gone sort of thing and Matoma yeah was was never that convinced about him during preseason but bought him anyway and he's been great in fairness to him so if he if he produces again against West Ham and they won 4-0 in, in last year's equivalent fixture. Uh, mm. Not that we should dwell too much on things like that, but uh, if he produces something against West Ham, it, it becomes a difficult sell to sort of justify after that. So 
It's... Well, I mean, yeah, you've probably got to mention you've probably got to mention the the Arsenal and United lads in this as well because they're not performing at the moment, and a, a lot of people still don't own Matoma. So, again, going back to pre-planning at the start of the season, the plan was to avoid those fixtures, but now it could be that for those selling um, a Man United or an Arsenal asset or a midfielder could probably just bring in Matoma and play him in the tough fixtures. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, That probably explains a lot of the, well, why so many of the transfers have gone on March, Matoma and Buemo. Yeah. A lot of them are probably downgraders from from those assets. So um, on our site, on fantasyfootballcommunity.com, we have all the regular pieces that you know we put out every week in terms of team reveals, differentials, coverage of other fantasy games on the continent. Lewis, you looked at best budget enablers. Um, some of them were Chelsea assets, of course. We've had Carney Chukwumika. Um, yeah. Not, not too bad. <laughs> solid guess. Um, so he, just when he could have been an option, he he's injured. Did yeah. they say how long? Yeah, it was. I think it was around six weeks uh, potentially, um, which is you know, which isn't ideal. No, it's not ideal. But you've mentioned a couple of other cheap Chelsea options there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few to be honest. Um, I mean, injuries have created opportunities, haven't they, for other people? So you've got the likes of Reese James, who who originally was five point five million injured in game week one. Um, we 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 can see now that um, Melo Gusto is going to come in for Reese James at four million. So I think he he. Okay, so the attacking threat isn't quite there with Gusto, but for four million, you can't really expect, you know, to to have both clean sheet and attacking potential. You know, really, really good um, clean sheet and attacking potential. So I think with Gusto, he does offer a, a cheap way into the Chelsea back line, um, and I think Chelsea have got great great chances of some clean sheets looking ahead. You know, we saw that. Luton were really poor. Okay, they blanked in game week two, but they don't have much going forward either, you know. And, and I just think the Chelsea fixtures are too good to ignore from a defensive point of view. And okay, many are going to have Chilwell, but to really kind of benefit from that, managers could double up on the on the defence because the attack isn't exactly convincing at the moment. So he's one um, for a more kind of long-term reliable option you know you've got the likes of Levi Colwell at 4.5 million although he may not be needed if we are kind of looking to wildcard you know around game week eight or nine because I think Gusto would would probably play all of those games until you know Chilwell comes back uh Reese James comes back sorry and it'll probably be quite um a measured return for Reese James so he won't come back straight in I think he'll be kind of eased back in um in attack there, there is, um, there is a couple of couple of options. One more longer term in Enzo Fernandez. I think he's around five million. He has, I don't know if you've checked the stats, uh, Mark. You probably have, but he has only created one last chance than Bruno Fernandez. He's created six chances, and he's also joint first for big chances created with two, which is huge. 
Um, so maybe he could kind of come a, a cheaper version of Bruno Fernandes this season. I'm not too sure. He does look like he's getting forward a lot more. He he is getting shots off, mm. shots outside the box, shots outside the box, runs into the box as well. He's also taken all corners from the left-hand side. Um, he's also taken free kicks. Now, he, he did take a penalty in the last yeah. game. Missed. Um, I'm not too sure, and no Chelsea fan is sure, what the situation there is and who is going to take the next penalty. It could be Sterling, it could be Jackson, it could be Chilwell, but it could also be Anzo Fernandez again. We just don't know. Um, but I think all in all, without the penalties, Enzo, you know, he is showing potential. Um, he's creating a lot of chances. Most, you know, some of the some of the most chances in the league at the moment. He's, you know, he's got set pieces. He's looking more offensive. So for five million, you know, he's looking like an okay, an okay um, option. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he, he he does on the eye test. He does look a bit more liberated and a bit more involved. And and as you say, that the numbers. Underneath that, but back it up as well in terms of stats. So, the penalty situation is very interesting, and um, it's interesting that your article focused on Chelsea full stop because I guess the main topic going into this week is the Chelsea fixture swing and the Spurs one as well. Although the Spurs momentum, even though they've had a good start, actually it has has dipped because of a couple of certain individuals. Um, so yeah, when we look at covering Chelsea for Luton Luton at home and then after that it's yeah so Chelsea you've got uh, they've got Luton at home and then they've got Nottingham Forest at home Bournemouth away Villa at home Fulham away and Burnley away so some great long-term fixtures there for Chelsea some of the best in the league actually it's it's a fantastic run and Spurs do have a good one as well it's 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 Bournemouth away Burnley away Sheffield United at home but then it's sort of like a three game burst in comparison to Chelsea which is a bit longer um, so yeah people like Gusto if if you, if you decide to sell Gabriel or one of your other defenders like John Stones or something Gusto is an interesting option just think the fact that he he started against West Ham so on the one hand you think it's good because he's in Pochettino's plans but then but then it was a defeat so is there a chance that he doesn't start now. Well, I think we 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 kind of look after look look at the injuries, um, the offensive injuries. They're really important. So Chuck Wamaker, he's injured, and we've also we also have Mudrik, who's not been in training. So we have kind of massive massive holes in our front line at the moment, which could um, mean a back three. Um, so obviously five defensive options at the back, you know, the likes of Thiago Silva, Disassi, um, Colwell, Laugh, Chilwell, Wright, Gusto. So I do think the injuries kind of maybe reinforce Gusto's minutes potentially. Um, yeah, I've, I've been impressed by Gusto um, in pre-season anyway. He, was, he looked really strong. Um, so yeah, I think Gusto could still play. I think I still think he's still think he'll start the next game. And one of the big well the the question in general is with Chelsea losing in game week two and the and Spurs midfielders Madison and Richarlison both having problems. Matt Madison was 
sort of seen on crutches and and could be sort of he might not be risked in game week three. And Richarlison just he, he hasn't scored yet and he didn't even have a, a chance against Manchester United. So so the appeal on both has dwindled. So should we still be buying these players from these teams for their superb fixture ones? Or have two have other options come up that sort of makes Chelsea and Spurs not quite as essential as what we thought they were going to be? Well, it's one of those, isn't it? Form over fixture. It's 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 the big debate, isn't it? Because you look at the likes of Rick Arlison and, and and Nicholas Jackson, who we'll probably mention further in the pod. We look at their fixtures and they're, they're great. But then we look at the, you know, the form of other players, you know, like Matoma and Bumo, for those that don't have them, because I know, I think you've got both, haven't you, Mark? But there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't have any, uh, don't have both, sorry, they only have one of them. So, yeah, it's a tough decision. But ultimately, um, I know I, I, I personally play to the fixtures as a manager. So I would probably be looking at the likes of Jackson or Ricarlison based on the fixtures. Um, so, I mean, some of the fixtures they've these guys have got, so obviously Ricarlison has been very quiet in terms of stats. Jackson, he's been more active. The, the stats are there for Jackson, just the, the finishing hasn't been. But in terms of Ricarlison, yeah, very quiet. But he does play Bournemouth, who are conceding more attempts than most of the teams in the league at the moment. And they're, kind of, they're playing this kind of new type of football, this attacking football, aren't they, where they're kind of leaving a lot of space behind. So I do think with with chances, and they will come for a Carlison, and as he settles, I do think he's going to start scoring. So I do think he is an option for the next game week. But I can also see why people are a bit, you know, reserved about it. Nicholas Jackson's the big one. And it's certainly something that I've been I've been personally debating about all week because he is in both matches so far. He's, he's not only not scored, but he's been booked. So he's actually got one point and then one point yeah. again. But um, we looked at this on on our FFC on our dual goal article. But Nicholas Jackson has been underachieving in terms of XG. You know, he has been he's been doing everything but score basically. So it, yeah, but it's sort of like. It, first of all, it's form versus fixtures. What do you follow? Also, he's, he's a new player to the league. So d- d- do we jump on it? We we jumped on Timo Werner, for example. And, you know, that in hindsight, we should have waited until he got running first. But it, but it's hard not to go for Jackson with with these fixtures. Um, he seems to be pretty nailed in the lineup. He could be on penalties, although we shouldn't back yeah, we- on that as a reason. It should be other reasons, and that's a bonus, really. Um, but he looks very interesting. But the, the problem is, if if it's, for example, if the plan was to go Watkins to Jackson, that that could be a trap, couldn't it? Yeah, it really could be. I mean, there's there's so much to cover with Jackson, uh, Jackson and Watkins. Um, it, it's it is a big kind of brainstorm um, over the move because. You know, we we look at Jackson. He, like you said, he's creating the chances. He's 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 getting opportunities. He, you know, so I mean, there's there's he's got data like he's joint first for big chances, um, four for shots in the box, four for non penalty xgi. So the the data is definitely there for him. It's similar to Bruno. You know, he's underperforming, 
Um, and then with Watkins, he just is performing. You know, he okay, you only got an assist um, in in the last in the last round, but he's proven, isn't he? We've seen that he he is a reliable FPR, or at least he he became one last season. So it is a, it is a difficult. Um, Aston Villa do have Europe. They do have European football. We also saw Watkins be dragged off early um, in game week two as well. We also saw him come off penalties. So although there are, although Watkins is a great asset, we've seen him perform um, for for a while now. At the same time, you know there are factors that are suggesting you could sell Watkins. Um, you know, minutes, expected minutes. Um, uh, how how uh, how tired is he going to be with playing in Europe? Um, not having penalties. So there are there are a lot of factors to kind of to kind of consider here. Um, that that hat trick just came at a terrible time. I, it, yeah, there's a couple of ways to look at it as well. You could say, well, first of all, no offense to Hibbs, but it's sort of it's it's a lesser caliber of opponent. And also you could say, well, he's he's got the goals out of his system now. He's definitely going to blank now. He's scored a hat-trick. How many people uh, hat-trick and then keep... I feel like that's a, that so many people do that in FPL. Like They'll jump on someone who's just hauled massively and of course they blank straight afterwards. It's weird, isn't it? There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of this on, 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 in the community yesterday, you know. Oh, it's only hips, you know. He, you know, he's got a hat trick. It's it's just a Scottish team, but I mean, we have to remember that Aston Villa just beat Everton four 0 and they're a Premier League team, so yeah. they still yeah. they still scored four goals. Okay, Watkins didn't get a hat trick, but you know, the goals were still there, and he couldn't probably should have been amongst them. Um, but yeah, no. In in terms of the in terms of the um, in terms of Watkins or or Jackson, I do I do like Jackson more longer term. We saw Jackson in pre-season as well, you know. Okay, he's not been converting in the Premier League, but, you know, and, and yes, it was the summer series in pre-season, but he still scored against Newcastle. He scored against Brighton. He actually got two assists in the Brighton game as well. So, you know, and they, they are they are difficult opposition, you know. Newcastle did play close to a... a, a Brighton did play close to a first team and so did Newcastle. So, you know, we could we could be seeing um, we could see um, a Jackson kind of big haul soon. We could see him go off. That is, yeah, it's a, it's a one o'clock. I think if there's an alternative route to get into Chelsea's attack, let's say it comes out on Friday that one of the popular midfielders has got a, a surprise injury, could. Could Raheem Sterling be an interesting alternative to cover Chelsea? Because he, he's had the most penalty area touches of everybody so far, 22. Um, he's had a huge price drop this year, but it, it didn't tempt anyone, actually. But mm. could this be, uh, from your perspective uh, from Chelsea, um, is he a legit alternative? Well... It's a, it's a tough one. He was really poor in pre-season, um, but progressively got a lot, lot better. Um, he was he was pretty good against Liverpool, um, but game week two against West Ham, I thought he was our best player. You know, again, you said he was top for penalty error touches, and he was just very lively. That, but that is 
that is, I suppose, the issue with Sterling is that his his end product has never been, or at least for us, it's it's not been great. So although he looks really good and he's an exciting asset to watch, I'm a little bit concerned about his general end product and if he can make the right decision in the final third because a lot of it is just kind of running and and having you know shots shot straight at the goalkeeper or or misplaced passes so yeah i i would probably maybe avoid sterling or at least wait on him on him a little bit right that's good to know that's good to know. i think i've always had a bit of a pro sterling bias over the years because i have so many good memories of him as a fantasy asset when he was at man city but it's important that uh that we don't live in the past too much, I guess. And the reality is what you've just said, basically. that That's the way it is now. And we have to make decisions on how it is now. Um, that's a shame. And so so you got Chilwell, Gusto, Jackson, Sterling, Enzo Fernandez. Is there any Chelsea asset that's missing here? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, and this is probably a longer shot, is, is Conor Gallagher. Um, the the kind of injury to Chukwuemeka could also present an opportunity for Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher is is very very likely to start the game, but it's where he's likely to start the game. Um, there's there's kind of chatter in the Chelsea community and and myself thinking it as well that there's there's potential for him to play in the number ten role. Um, we've seen him play there before. You know, he, he he's not well known for goals um, and assists but if he's in the right position and he's 5.5 million could he be worth the punt maybe maybe not yeah 5.5 interesting price I suppose even if you wanted to drop to somebody off that value the the argument you put forward for Enzo earlier actually could could uh, put him ahead of Gallagher potentially but that's uh, that's true because Caicedo could be straight into the lineup, you'd think. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd expect um, Caicedo to definitely be starting this game, potentially a midfield of Caicedo, um, Anzo, and Gallagher. Fair enough, fair enough. And then moving on to Tottenham. So, yes, we said James Madison has, I think people are about to sort of jump onto him for these fixtures because he's he looked pretty good so far. He got those two opening day assists. Uh, d- blanked against Manchester United, but um, in general, just looks like a great way into a very attacking team that's about to have superb fixtures, but he's been seen in a protective boot. He described as precautionary on social media, but then another report has sort of said that I think it was like a minor MCL uh, Spurs might not risk it this weekend. Um, he should be fine in general, but that that sort of immediately rules him out, doesn't it? For, for as a as a purchase, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a shame, really, because he he is the one, isn't he? You know, he is the one that's looking the most um, promising as an FPL asset. He's got good data, especially good assist data. Um, I haven't seen much in terms of goal threat yet, but I think his data is still good enough to to invest in. Yeah, the injury is an issue um, because 
you know we've we've already we've already mentioned that the fixtures um they have Bournemouth next he's likely to miss that but then he plays Burnley and Sheffield United but then Arsenal and Liverpool so I'm not I'm not completely sure that kind of even if we waited for Madison he would be worth bringing in um yeah yeah I'm a little bit on the fence about Madison again the, the, the assist date is there the goal threat maybe not and obviously the injury um, or rumoured injury isn't great either. So at the moment, I would probably be um, avoiding potentially selling if I owned him. Yeah, potentially. If I, I think when it was game week one and we were sort of not only registering our squads, but looking ahead to the future, I must admit, I was, I was always going to be with Charleston over Madison. But I think as we've covered with, Richardson as well. It feels like probably not a good time to get onto him. Although if you have him, it's worth keeping. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, kind of with Richardson, one goal in in his next game would would change a lot of opinions, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Then all of a sudden he looks. A bit, this time next week we'll be building up for game week four if he scores. Probably that that's the way. Yeah, that's the way it works in FPL. The other midfielders, well, Sun has blanked both times and he's had a poor preseason and the sort of the, the strangeness of, of last season is, is carried over a bit so you can't really advocate him as a purchase yeah. uh Kulisevsky's played most minutes but again has done nothing 4.5 midfielder Pape Sar is interesting isn't he because he he scored uh, he was sort of there was a little bit of noise about him in preseason as a potential you know he, he could be when Nakamba hadn't signed for Luton, so he didn't have any nailed-on appearance fees for 4.5. Um, so I was mentioned. But now we've seen him score against Manchester United and get 10 points. He could be a win, maybe? I mean, potentially. I think... What he he's also created more. I think it was uh, non penalty XG than Ricarlison as well, which I found um, surprising. But yeah, no, he he was he was impressive. Two shots on target last match. Two shots off. Shot block hit the woodwork as well. Um, yeah, promising promising start from Saar again. It, he just feels like a bit of um, a risk at this point. I mean, like you said, yeah. he's a cheap way in. Um, but with all the other midfielders available, um, it's kind of difficult to go there, I think. Especially with the transfer window still open, you know, there's still time for yeah. stuff to happen. The defence, well, it right back, sort of Emerson Royale scored in the opening in the opening match and then was benched for the clean sheet against Manchester United. So Poros back in. And then as attacking as Poros stats were in his half season uh, when he arrived, it's it's a, Udogi seems to be the the great the great route into into their defense. He he's looked very promising. If if he can nail that place, that that's a great option for four point five million. He's so attacking. He I, he had really good attacking numbers at Udinese last season, and he scored a preseason goal, and he. He ranks very highly when it comes to defenders with touches in the final third, which which is a nice sort of a nice thing to judge him on, really. Yeah, I really like Udogi. He's 
one of those players, isn't he, who looks a constant threat. Um, again, we were, I think I touched upon it before, that he was, uh, maybe, or in the previous episode, that he ranked fourth amongst defenders for um, touches in the opponent's half in the final third. So he looks really lively. I suppose my only issue with Udogi, I own Udogi at the moment, so mm. I've already got him, so I don't need to kind of worry about bringing him in. Bringing him in is my only concern is Spur, the Spurs' defense. I think they've conceded, or at least they're in the top four worst teams for um, expected goals conceded. Um, so my only issue is 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 maybe their defense. But I'm also on the fence of whether to play in Doggy this week. And we'll probably talk about this in my plans um, a bit more in the well, park. It's a good time to transition into that, actually. Yeah, we've, we've both got Udoggy as our fourth defender. Are we even going to play him? Well, interesting you should say that because I kind of have been considering it over Saliba. Obviously, you don't have Saliba, but there's a lot of people who are debating it actually at the moment in the community whether to play Udogi or whether to play Saliba um, or whatever maybe Arsenal uh, defender because the Arsenal the Arsenal clean sheet looks there um, they're playing a Fulham side they've got no Mitrovic Fulham don't look great and I'm slightly concerned about Fulham this season for goals especially and also defence actually um, so yeah the, the, the Arsenal clean sheet could be on there but Udogi's looked really, really good in the final third. And if Tottenham can keep the clean sheet as well, there's obviously higher upside for Udogi. So that's a decision I'm kind of, you know, thinking over at the moment. And what else have you decided? Have you, have you Are you using all transfers or are you rolling any of them over? Yep. Yeah, so in terms of my terms of my plans, um, I've looked at a few scenarios. So I've got two free transfers at the moment, and and a couple I have sat down. I've, I've had a look at um, players that I'm not happy with in the squad, and believe it or not, it's quite a lot at the moment. Whereas in game week one, it all looked fine and dandy, but you know things change quick in Apple, don't they? So Pickford, he is he he looks like a bit of an issue. Um, the only problem with Pickford is there's no kind of convincing alternative, you know, likes of Sanchez. I, I'm not too sure about the Chelsea double defence at the moment. You know, they haven't cut the clean sheet yet. So we'll see. Um, again, it could just be a case of that I keep Pickford until the wild card. Rashford, missing chances. I'm hoping he moves to the left. So, and, and that way I don't have to transfer him out. But ultimately, I'm going to give Rashford and Bruno um, one more game week. You know, it is at home. It's against Nottingham Forest. I don't expect Man United to um, kind of cruise that game. I expect it to be quite difficult and maybe one or two goals in it alone. But I still think that it gives me a good opportunity to work out which one of them I want to sell next week. So, yeah. They're going to stay in for now. It's the same with Arsenal at the moment. I I I, I would probably prioritise the Arsenal attackers as more the, the sorry the Man United attackers as more of an issue than the Arsenal double attack because Arsenal kind of look convincing in game week one. Um, we know Palace are organised, so I kind of expected Arsenal to have a tough game against Palace. 
so yeah i mean it, it comes down to watkins you know we've we've already we've already discussed it, it could be it could be a tough decision to make but ultimately the fixtures the chelsea fixtures the fact that chelsea aren't playing in europe the fact that Ch- that jackson's date is there although he's not converting he's still he's still producing some good underlying attacking data you know, he just needs to convert that. So I think for that reason, there is a Chelsea press conference, or again, by the time this has gone out, it probably has been. But barring any surprises, I think my uh, my main transfer will be um, Watkins to, to Jackson and, and probably roll the other transfer. Well, for me, it's it's sort of, it, it, all, it all hinged on the, Man, if, if like three minutes before the game week one deadline, if, if I'd heard about that Saliba, like the, the the Gabriel news, man, that would have changed so mm. much. That would have changed so much. Um, but as it is, I've already to beat this price drop, taken out Gabriel, and all week I was thinking, hey, um, it's gonna be Chilwell, Udogi, Estupinian as my start and three for the next couple of weeks. So replace Gabriel with somebody. Later on, maybe bring in Botman for a few weeks' time or an Aston Villa defender for a few weeks' time. But then um, decided that as much as I like Udogi, I don't think this Bournemouth game necessarily... Like, I think Bournemouth will score past them. And therefore, therefore, you, if, if you, you can't... You can't let that rule out a replacement if you're convinced that Spurs will concede in that game. So as as good as Udogi's attacking potential is, I do wonder how many times would I actually play him because I don't really trust that back line. Although it did just keep a clean sheet against Manchester United, of course. So yeah. I'm probably talking nonsense. But ultimately, yeah, I brought in a Manchester City defender. Um, and buying a ticket to Pep Roulette... It, does feel like a fool's game, but I went for Ruben Diaz. That could easily backfire. There's a he could easily not start against Sheffield United for no reason at all. But it does seem right now, certainly for the next few games, while Stones is injured, you've sort of got six defenders for four positions, and you'd like to think, surely, Diaz um, could. Well, he, Kanji, Guardiol, it's hard to say, really, who the more Neil City defender is. Who do you think? Yeah, no, well, I hate to say it, but I think the one of the safest, the safest way into the, the Man City backline is, of course, Edison, isn't it? At, mm. at 5.5 million. I mean, his price is, is probably too much, Um for a lot of FPL managers and a lot of people probably a little bit worried that Man City will go back to kind of conceding the odd goal. But Man City's data last season was so good. You know, it they were due clean sheets and I feel like they're cashing in on their clean sheets this season. You know, two out of two. I think if anyone's going to keep constantly picking up clean sheets and, and not be rotated, it's going to be Edison, isn't it? Yeah, but that that's a dirty word amongst the community, Edison, uh, because he's... Yeah. He's uh, he, he has a habit of, but he, he doesn't he doesn't save basically. Man City's defense is so good that he doesn't save or get save points. But then at the same time, if he regularly gets you six points, that's it's nothing to be sniffed at really. It's it's still good uh to have a regular six pointer. 
in there. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's a tough one. Welcome. Yeah, so I made that transfer. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I've regretted it because I think Man City's defense is a great route to be in. I just I'm already yeah. sort of nervous about that team sheet. Um, maybe he starts two of the next three. Could probably take that because at least, at least the fourth defender is Udogi. So I think when you've got a, a decent um, defender as your next one. And Pep, I, I, I th- Pep isn't great for doing substitutions. I think he is quite prone to maybe using only one or two of his five subs. So mm-hmm. you like to think that if, if Diaz doesn't play, he, he stays off the pitch, and then Udogi has great fixtures to step in anyway. So you know that could work. Um, my other sub, it's it's always been set to be like you, um, Jackson for Watkins, but uh, I do wonder sometimes, like. Watkins at Burnley is a good game. And even Watkins at Liverpool at game week four, like you could see that being a goal as well. So that so haven't thought on that one, but uh we'll see how that goes. Um I think what's one thing one one thing worth um worth mentioning is that obviously Chelsea have the home games, don't they? Um and I mean judging on Chelsea's performance against Liverpool in game week one when we were playing at home it was really really good in fact we probably should have won that game and then we went away and obviously lost to West Ham but I do think those two back-to-back home games could definitely be a good opportunity to get the season back on track show what they showed in pre-season and um, ultimately Jackson scores goals yeah yeah, I probably will because yeah, even though you can look at Watkins fixtures and say, oh well, that's actually a good one and that's a good one, you could do exactly the same for Jackson, but more. Like Burnley is a good fixture, but so is Luton at home. And you know, if mm-hmm. you're justifying Liverpool away as a good fixture, then Nottingham Forest at home is is ten times that. So yeah, it's probably going to be that. I think before we go, just a quick mention on Phil Foden, who's been a popular purchase this week. Um. The dream is always that he gets a nailed on starting spot, and it doesn't. He had a good run at the start of last season, but then got inexplicably rotated for a few weeks, and then and then it was back to in and out. Mm. Is he? Do you think he's more nailed on now that De Bruyne is injured for a few months, or is this going to be? They've been linked with a few midfielders, Man City. Are we quickly going to get back into what we know and love? Well, I mean, I think he's he's hard to ignore, isn't he, Foden? I think once you start to see um, Manchester City attackers look like they could be nailed, yes, we've been wrong so many times and, and kind of jam had it, brought them in and they've been rotated. But I, ju- I just look at the, the Manchester City, uh, the depth of the squad, it's not as, as, got, as, as good as what it used to be. So I, I do think that Foden will be starting uh, most of the next few games. I mean, the, there could be a game where, you know, it, maybe other players get a shout, a new player, Cole Palmer maybe, you know, someone instead of him. But I just look at Foden and think he he look, he's looking really sharp. He looks good where he's playing in the role that he's playing in. Maybe not so attacking, but still looks really, really good in the kind of midfieldish role. Midfieldish role. Um, but I, I think looking at Foden, I would be probably looking to bring him in around game week four. So obviously, 
you know, you, you've already mentioned the fact that a lot of people have got four assets, four midfielders between Manchester United and Arsenal. So I've got two, I've got two Arsenal and two United midfielders. So I think if I obviously give them one more chance, I've then got potentially four slots. And I do think Foden would be the standout um, option there because then you've got Fulham, West Ham, Nottingham Forest and Wolves. So one more week just watching Foden against Sheffield United, seeing how he plays, seeing how the the other guys play in our teams and then potentially with my two transfers next week. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, hope that Foden keeps it quiet this time and uh, like, you know, doesn't yeah. do too much this time and, uh, and then he's trying to come in next week. So I can imagine next week, uh, unless he gets, <laughs> unless this weekend brings a rotation, he could be one of the most bought next week. Uh, mm. So we'll see how that goes. Well, um, that's probably a good place to wrap things up. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Lewis. Uh, it's been great having you on, as always. Thanks for your expertise. Yeah, no problem, Mark. It's good to be on again. And please make sure to check out FF Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games for the Premier League, Champions League, MLS, and several European leagues. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter as well. It's at FF Community, then an underscore. And we hope to see you back here next time. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.